Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Warlord Games official podcast. My name is Brad, and this is the podcast that digs into all of the really cool and exciting games and supplements that Warlord Games puts out for us to play. Now, for those who know, they know that I am a massive Bolt Action fan, so it is my pride and joy to be talking about the newest Bolt Action book for, uh, for our play today, the new campaign book, part two of the Italy campaign. We had soft underbelly. Now we have campaign Italy tough gut. And I am so excited about this because it covers one of my favorite battles in World War II, Monte Cassino. Now, in the past, we've often had authors on to talk about the supplements and to talk about how they make these books. But since Rob Vila was on not too long ago and we talked at length about Soft Underbelly, I thought we'd go a slightly different direction today and we would talk to a fellow hobbyist and gamer to talk about how we could use this book to modify and change the way we might list or play bolt action on the tabletop in the games that we like to play. Joining me today is a long-term tournament organizer uh, who was the tournament organizer for the Australia's largest event for years and years. Uh, that would be CanCon. And of course, I am talking about the one and only Peter West. Welcome to the Warlord cast, sir. Thanks a lot, Brad. It's always a pleasure. Now, Pete, you are a long-time Folsom Jaeger player. And I am a long-term uh, Commonwealth, particularly Indian Commonwealth player. So between the two of us, we have a lot to talk about as far as this book. But we also have other, because I also play Italians. You play Italians. I play Americans. You've played everything under the sun. This book has an unbelievable number of options for us and the armies we play, doesn't it? Yes, it's a real treasure trove. There's something for everybody in here, I think. Maybe not if you're a Soviet player, but man, it feels like it otherwise, right? Yes, very true. I haven't seen any Soviets at Monte Cassino, but uh, otherwise I think everyone gets something. Exactly, right? Well, we uh, it should be said at the beginning, while we're doing the the, the bookkeeping here, that, that Tough Gut is, as I said, the sequel to the Soft Underbelly book. Like Soft Underbelly, it is a whopping 176 pages of content. You have history. You have 10 new missions to play on the Bolt Action tabletop. You have new units for the U.S. and Free French. You have, for the first time, new allied Italian units added in. You have um, new German units. You have new Axis Italian units. Um, there's and of course there is a slew of new British and Commonwealth rules and units that again add on to the wonderful content that we got in Soft Underbelly. We also have a mountain of new theater selectors, and man, it's what almost thirty pages of appendices, which give us you know generic units, um, new equipment that other units can run in the form of. You know, Bangalore torpedoes that people have been asking about for years. We have demolition charges. We have wire cutters. There's rules for fortifications. We have minefield rules, which have appeared in other places, but reappear here. We have special dug-in rules, multinational forces. Uh, man, we have ruling the skies, solid stone buildings, as opposed to the regular buildings you see in bolt action. You know, pages upon pages of battlefield conditions and sewer movement. There is a lot in this book. Um, Pete, it almost feels like there's too much. Doing the homework for this was, like, as someone who loves this, it was great. But, man, there's a lot to go through, isn't there? Uh, yes, it's um, spoiled for choice, I think is the best way to put it. Uh, you can tailor your game and your force down to the nth degree with this book, which is great for getting really specific in terms of, you know, for those of us who love the Italian campaign and um, want to really represent that, I think that this book gives you every possible tool to tailor your force or scenario for every potential uh, historical battle you want to fight. That's right. Now, this book focuses 
specifically on the Anzio landings, um, the battle for the Gustav line and Monte Cassino. It is not Italy as a whole. Um, obviously the soft underbelly book covered um, Sicily and the early part of the campaign, but this doesn't cover the entirety of the rest of the Italian campaign. Pete, can you be more specific? What are we looking at in this book? Uh, well, I mean, the first phase was really, you know, the campaign post Sicily and then the allies landing heading towards Rome. And then this is, uh, that second phase as the allies got stuck and looked to find um, an alternate way to Ro Rome where you had the landings at Anzio, Operation Shingle, um, and also the continued advance after the landings at Salerno. So it's, uh, you know, really that phase of trying to capture Rome, I guess, is really the focus of, of what this book is. Um, and so that is you know, a big part of the Italian campaign. Obviously, everyone saw Rome as a prize, particularly the Americans who were desperate mm -hmm. to be the first to get there, uh, which led to some significant controversies in the Italian campaign. But, um, yeah, it's that sort of mid-phase um, just before the fall, uh, you know, leading up to the fall of Rome, where the um, Germans and Italian fascists then retreated into the, the sort of redoubt of the northern Italy. Well, Pete, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, you are absolutely a uh, a passionate Fulshamjäger player. And over the years, Warlord has given you new units to add to your existing Fulshamjäger list, um, both with the second edition uh, German book uh, and then with some of the campaign books that we've seen recently. Um, you have been able to take inexperienced Fulshamjäger units and a number of other additions to the list. But what makes this book really interesting have being really passionate about casino is if you talk about casino people cannot talk about you you can't bring up casino and not bring up the falschenjäger they were such an integral part of that campaign and it is really one of the campaigns that made them famous i mean obviously we have uh, ibn amal and a, a number of other battles that made falschenjäger famous but casino was a defining moment for them as a as a Falschmjäger player, what does this book give you that you didn't have before? Uh, I think it just sort of rounds out your Falschmjäger options. I mean, as you say, the Falschmjäger are very well known for the battle at Casino, but they were actually equally engaged in the battles around Anzio. In fact, they were some of the first troops moved in around Anzio, the Fourth Falschmjäger Division, and were critical to plugging the Anzio gap in and stopping the Americans advance out of Anzio. So um, what I like about this book is that it not just focuses on the first Volshamiaga division and the uh, battle around Monte Cassino, but it also allows you to represent the fourth Volshamiaga division and their battles uh, around the Anzio bridgehead and the um, book has the very different rules for both. So you've got the fourth Volshamiaga division um, with the stubborn rule and the first Falschmjäger division with the fanatics rule. Mm -hmm. And that flows through all of the units in the book. So you can align and tailor your uh, Falschmjäger for those specific battles, which I think is a, a really nice touch rather than just have generic Falschmjäger. 100%. And it's one of those things where as a, you know, as a paratroop player for other nations, we, we're used to paratroopers getting stubborn. And as you say, they have that in this book. But depending, I mean, if we think about the, was it the Green Devils of Casino, they were famously unmovable. And I think the stubborn rule in that case almost doesn't cover the reputation. So I think that adding fanatic as an option, depending on how you want to load out your army, was a really nice way of doing that. Yeah, no, I think it really represents what the first Falschmjäger division did at um, Monte Cassino. Because when you read about the battle and the pasting they took in a lot of these um, conflicts, the fact that they were still able to get up and fight and not only fight, but hold off Maoris, Indians, some of the best units in the British Army, uh, I think is a perfect way of uh, expressed perfectly in terms of them being fanatics. Yeah. Nice. Well, what else do the German players get? Or do you want to talk about um, how you would possibly list for a Falschmäger 
army using this book? I know I asked you two questions. It's a choose your own adventure. Which way are you going to go, Pete? Uh, well, the Germans do pretty well out of this book. Um, they've got a couple of interesting units. Um, some of them I'm sure people have heard about before, like the uh, Ger Gerwer 43. I, I should. I should check how to pronounce German things before I come into podcasts. Um, the Gerwer 43 sniper um, with the two shots. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a nice addition. Um, you've got, um, for Falschenjäger specifically, you've got the um, Falschenjäger sod for Casino and Anzio. And as I say, you can tailor that for the first or fourth Falschenjäger division. Um, and you've got the Falsham Pioneer Squad, which um, mm -hmm. I think looks great. Um, most people have probably heard about it because of the option um, if to make them fourth Falsham Area Division, um, the F the Ebener now rule, which will give the flamethrower a plus one to hit. Um, but I think, look, just as a general thing, it's great to have a Falsham Pioneer Squad. They were critical to the Falsham Area capability, and um, it's nice to see them um, represented in this campaign. More yeah, broadly, that, sorry. That squad has so many options. <laughs> I was looking at this book going, they have submachine guns, assault rifles, pistols, LMGs, um, flamethrowers, Panzerfaust, uh, demolition charges, Bangalore torpedoes. Uh, the option of making them the Ibn Amal special rule um, and then possibly fanatic instead of stubborn. There are just so many options. This may be one of the most um, varied and variable squads in the game. It is wild. Yeah, I really like the options you said to tailor it for what sort of game you want to play. But um, I also, uh, out of this book and an out of a couple of other things I've been considering lately, I've recently been thinking more and more about the use of uh, demolition charges because I think mm -hmm. that that actually may be a, a bit of an option that hasn't been fully explored yet. Uh, I think that um, the blast of that and uh, the, there's a couple of units you can add that option to in this book. So I think I might use this as an opportunity to see if I can um, figure out a way to make good use of demolition charges. Yeah. Now... One of the things that we've sometimes heard from players is, yeah, the, these books are great that Warlord's putting out because, you know, they give you new theater selectors and they give you new units you can play. But the complaint that we sometimes hear is that, well, but you can't use them in some tournaments. You can't use them in some events because the events don't allow theater selectors. Well, almost every unit in this book has the rule that you can use this as an infantry squad in the parent list that it comes from in generic reinforced platoons. So a lot of these units, you can just slot right in to your regular bolt action army and roll right away. Now I'm going to be talking about that an awful lot when we start getting to the, the allied side, but I really like the look of a squad that I am also going to mispronounce the name of something fierce in a German list because I also play Germans. The spot troop, um, the scout uh, unit. Um, so these guys are three points more than what you would have in a normal quote unquote veteran or regular squad. They can have a couple of SMGs. Um, they can have the Mountain Warrior rule, which we'll get to in a little bit. You can upgrade them. Um, and they can have, um, you know, a stubborn or fanatic. So th they have some options. No LMG, no Panzerfaust. It's a lot of dudes with rifles, some SMGs in there. But what I really like about the squad is the, a new rule that they have called escape reaction. Now, this unit can react when shot at or assaulted as long as they have not already taken an action. So they almost get a recce move of six inches um, to move. So if someone's just at range, you can move out of range. Now, as an experienced player, I also know that that means I can move out of range or move into cover. Um, this just seems really good. Um or at least really fun. If you want to, you know, play around with this, these guys seem like 
excellent objective grabbers when you need to, you know, get somewhere or not get somewhere and make someone either fail a charge. I really like this mechanic and I want to play around with it some more. Um, Yeah. Sorry, Pete. I didn't mean to uh, jump in on your Germans, but I saw that unit and went, I, I want to play with that. It's not ridiculous because it doesn't have all the options of the pioneer squad, but those rules feel like some fun, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. They're at the top of my to try list. Um, mm-hmm. I really like any unit that forward deploys, to be honest, just the chance to disrupt your opponent's um, plans. Um, so, yeah, definitely going to give these guys a try, but also quite like the look of the Jaeger squad. Um, the fact that these guys mm-hmm. are light infantry and take them as regular, they're only one point more, but they have the light infantry rule, which means they can run through rough ground uh, up to nine inches. Mm-hmm. And given they can have up to... Uh, Three Panzerfaust 30s, I believe it is. Four mm-hmm. Panzerfaust 30s, actually. Um, able to run through a bit of rough ground and surprise an enemy armoured unit with a couple of Panzerfausts seems pretty cool to me. Yeah, right. And it's for one additional point, they get the light infantry rule. Now, we should say this is different than the mountain troops slash mountaineer rules that are in Battle of the Bulge, which ignore difficult terrain. Um, when moving this rule means that squads can run through rough ground to a distance of nine inches. So that means that you can assault nine inches through rough ground, which is big on the tabletop. Now you did mention Panzerfaust 30. We have talked about that on the soft underbelly book, but it should be mentioned that in this book, Panzerfaust are two points cheaper than they are normally because they are the early version, which means they have a short range of six inches, but um, they are three points, not five. Am I getting that right, Pete? Yeah, correct. And obviously the range being six inches, but I don't mind that so much because you're generally trying to get within six inches of your Panzerfaust anyway, so that they're not at long range. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, once you're within six inches, the short range cancels out the over half range for the Panzerfaust. 30s and so i think they're quite good value i'm i really like them yeah exactly that see that that list that you just mentioned uh, a jaeger or jaeger squads in a list that's the top of my try list right there i definitely want to try these guys out again it's a squad that has some really cool upgrade options um and then with that rule yeah I feel like that's a chef's kiss kind of situation as someone who likes to move around on the tabletop a lot. And this, it just adds mobility to a German army, which is cool. Yeah. And I think one of the things we might get into when discussing listing for this book is the fact that, um, you know, if you were going to go to with another unit, which we will probably get to the bog wards, and that's taking up your armored slot, most of the mm-hmm. rest of your force is going to be infantry. And so there's a, quite a few good infantry options here to flesh out your force if you don't have that armor that you're going to be looking to do your killing with um so it's a it's a it's a good way of building a nice force around that um particular unit now you said the b word so we're going to talk about the bog world bog ward b4 remote controlled demolition vehicle and i love love that it the weapon line on this vehicle is a 450 kilogram demolition charge. I mean, the fact that they included that detail, just, again, I love it. Um, It tells you exactly how much explosives you're going to be delivering. Um, Tell us, what does this do? Because it is cheap. It is 50 points, and it, it is a seven plus armored carrier. Talk to us about this madness. Uh. It kills everything. <laughs> Do we need to discuss anything more? <laughs> no. Uh, yes, as you say, 50 points. Um, so like like other explosives, uh, you have to start at turn um, with the vehicle front adjacent to the target. So you... Um, and then when you set it off, it's got a basically a heavy howitzer explosion. So the explosion has a radius of four inches. Um, but also, so all units within four inches and or inside of the target. So 
this the you know if as if the four inch radius wasn't enough so everyone within four inches of the target which if you're hitting say a you know a large building or an uh you're gonna hit um a number of units around it particularly if your opponent's bunched up so it's got an opportunity to be almost like a mini nuke in, in both action terms exactly now it should be mentioned this is a one-shot vehicle, boys and girls, because once it blows, it's not going to do it again. And it is remote controlled. So no driver is harmed in the uh, in the driving of this particular vehicle. Um, and it is a cool, wacky, flat, half-track looking. It's fully tracked, but it, it has the look of uh, a German half-track that's almost been squished. Um, yeah, what a... I want to field one of these just because they look cool. Um, I don't know if I actually, but as you say, if this is your vehicle slot, then you're probably going to have a lot of infantry. So that was a good point earlier. Yeah. I mean, you've got to remember it is remote controlled. So it comes with the normal remote control rules where something can go disastrously wrong. Uh, well, not so much disastrously with the bog wards, but it just may not do what you want. Um, it's mm -hmm. only seven armor, so it's vulnerable to being taken out. It's a one-shot weapon. Um, and your opponent may not nicely bunch things up for you, so it may not do all that much for you when it goes off. It's certainly going to hurt somebody, but it may not be the super weapon you think it is. So it'll be interesting to see what the player's experience with this is, but it's certainly, uh, I think, a unit that a lot of people are going to try not surprisingly, there's been at least two versions of this released uh, in STL form in the last month. So mm -hmm. uh, people obviously think it's going to be popular. I'm looking forward to Warlord making a model for this because uh, I have recently been working on some DAC vehicles and uh, I hadn't painted. Uh, I've been painting infantry for the last year or so. I haven't painted very many vehicles and I have forgotten just how sharp and nice the corners and edges on warlord resin vehicles are and man looking at this angular vehicle with all those sharp corners i'm just going yes i want to paint one of those so uh yes i know people are looking forward to this and i hope i hope warlord's listening to their own show because i want one and i want it now um but well, it shouldn't be too hard warlord already, already makes one version of it they make the uh Panzer Shrek version. Um, That's right. Panzer Shrek multi. So just have to strip it off and green stuff over the hole and print and <laughs> mold, make a whole bunch more of them. I might have to just do that. I actually, I'm glad you said that because I was looking at the Warlord version um, that had the Panzer, Panzer Faust on the top as it was, but I don't have an eye for the vehicle differences. If that's all that's different, I'm going to get that one and just leave off the Panzerfaust and maybe put a little plastic card over the top and call it a day. Um, but you do say it's unreliable, and it is, and it's not quite dog mine unreliable in that it hits your own vehicles. However, every time it moves, if you roll a one, it loses contact, so it can't move that turn. Or two, it rolls 100% backwards rather than forwards in the opposite direction that it was intended, which is frustrating, but at least it doesn't go off. And then if you roll a three to six, it moves normally. Now you might say, well, yeah, you know, three, three, six, you know, sorry. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> three, three out of six times, more than half the time it does what you want. That's fine. Um, but as we do say, bolt action happens. So I would be rolling that one or two <laughs> a lot. Um, but yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, and you have to start adjacent to the target, so you got a whole first last last first dice thing going, which you, yeah. is hard to control. So I don't, you know, I'm not I'm not willing to declare this OP at the moment, but uh, I'll be watching the watching the fun very closely. Exactly. Now, Pete, did you come up with any lists for this, or were you just look looking more generically at listing for this for um, units in general? So I run. Fulcrum Jaeger pretty regularly, so I've got a pretty standard list at this point. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, officer with two assault rifles, and and I'll just point out that that Fulcrum Jaeger with assault rifles in Italy is perfectly legit because they did have the FG42 by that point. Um, and then I like to generally take two squads with double LMGs to put out a bit of firepower. 
Um, and then I generally take what I refer to as an anti-tank squad, which is um, a bunch of guys with SMGs and Panzerfaust. Now, I think that's probably the first thing I'm going to change. I'm going to be switching those guys out for the Jaegers um, for the Italian campaign. Um, and I will be... Uh, my armour I normally take is a grill because, I, you know, I like the heavy howitzer. It, it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll switch that out for the bog wards, which gives me, saves me about 110 points, which I mm-hmm. will then um, sink into a, a Falsham Pioneer squad. Yes. Um, uh, which is, a, I think, you know, and I'll, I'll be honest, I'll say I'll take the Evan and our rule. I, I, I can't help myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'll switch out my sniper for the Gur 42 sniper. Um, and then I've got, I'll probably upgrade my armored car. I'm just looking at my options as to whether I go with an arm, because I'm dropping the grill, whether I'd go with an armored car um, with a uh, AT weapon or a HE weapon. Um, but um, so that's roughly sort of what my list would look like. And I generally have a recoilless rifle medium howitzer in there as well. Yeah, exactly. I like it. I like it. Well, I've done something similar with the Indian forces from the Commonwealth. Now, of course, you can run Irish, you can run Canadians, you can run Scotch Guards, you can run all sorts of different British lists using the rules in this book. But it it should be it should be said that there's been a little bit of confusion. And as someone who's a TO, um, it, you do need to be careful. You need to read the rules. And unfortunately, some people haven't been buying all of the campaign books that they've been trying to run lists out of. And they're trying to write lists using um, you know, list writing computer programs online. And that's great. It makes reading things really clear and easy as a tournament organizer. But if you don't have the book, you don't see the fine print. Uh, And particularly for the British rules, this is an issue because it's very clear if you have these wonderful campaign books, what rules are allowed to be used with what units and what theater selectors. However, if you're trying to do that with an online program and you don't have the actual Warlord book, you might have issues. As I saw recently when I was running uh, Megatron Down Under down here in Melbourne, Um, Because it it was an event that required theater selectors and it required you to use one from a theater book. Well, not everyone had gone out to buy Soft Underbelly who was using the Soft Underbelly selectors. And so people were trying to use units with rules that didn't match, uh, if that makes sense. So let's be clear when we're talking today, folks, that if you are running any of the different variants that we are talking about as far as Irish, Indian, Maori, Scotch Guard, etc. Those units have prescribed national rules they must use. Now, if you are building a theme around that, then you have a prescribed national rule. The Indian Army, for example, must use the blood-curdling charge national rule. Other nations have other ones. Now, if you're taking those units and putting them into a generic British list and the rest of the list has a different national rule, the Indian unit does not get, for example, um, what all of a sudden I am blanking on. Uh, they don't get toughest boots. They don't get rapid fire. They don't get vengeance. They only get blood curdling charge. Pete, am I saying that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it gets back to that point we were talking about earlier. It's really great for tailoring your force for specific battles or um, specific scenarios. But yeah, you have to be careful and just say not every online forum gets all the rules right Mm -hmm. and it doesn't get all the interactions with the rules right. Um, And TOs are also going to have to just be very conscious of this when they're list checking as well it's uh there's so many common possible combinations um great for flavor but uh i think tos are probably going to have to give themselves an extra week to check lists uh going forward if you're allowing theater selectors because you're going to be spending a lot of time diving into books just checking oh is that right is that 
combination can you take that with that theater list um, and those particular rules so look as i say great and i love the flavor and i love the opportunities that it presents but it, it does add a, a level of complexity and tos are going to have to watch that and players are also going to have to i think have an understanding of what's in these books because you know people are going to be across the table with you saying this unit's a scottish unit this unit's an irish unit this unit's an indian unit again that represents the sort of mixed uh forces that you had in battles like casino so that's mm -hmm. really great but you're just going to have to ensure that you keep track of um, what your opponent's throwing at you so you don't find that the a unit you're facing is the super assaulty unit not the shooting unit yeah exactly right or in the case of the false major list that you were just talking about wait which is the unit that gets the plus one to hit and which one doesn't so uh, folks you might have to mark your base somehow or you know mark the models somehow i mean obviously with the heads that come with the some of the boxes for british it's really easy um for some of the nations to make an indian unit look a particular way um, because of their headgear or to have a certain style of hat that make that might make them look one nation or another. So you do need to be careful about that. So let's now that that said, um, I do love the fluff and the character and the variability you get with listing. You British players have more options than ever. Um, but as an Indian player, um, I've been playing Indian since version one, and it I ran them a very certain way using the just the generics reinforced platoon out of the book. I liked a fast hitty army using a lot of the India pattern carriers um, and um, you know assorted other light vehicles. When we got to the Western Desert book, Indian forces and actually the other desert books before that. Um, we saw a, a different style of Indian army that had an additional squad of regular troops instead of the artillery observer, and that had the Soviet rule of if your unit's going to be destroyed by a morale, a failed morale test, you get to re-roll that. Now, as the war has progressed, how these soldiers have fought has changed. And now Indian forces in this book are very different, which as an Indian player is really cool because it gives me a new way to play with the army I already have. Um, Indian soldiers in this book, for example, have the blood-curdling charge national rule, which is something I have had very little experience using in the past, but I'm excited to try out. They have the mountain warrior rule, which allows them to run through difficult ground up to nine inches. Um, but it, they also can get over uh, some impassable terrain. And there's very specific rules about that. I'm not going to read all of it because it's a paragraph. However, um, you get more weapon options than early war Indian squads. And the lists, again, I can plug this into reinforced platoon. So if I was to look at my Indian army, much like Pete looked at his Falschemjäger, I would replace the generic squads from that army with this. Now, they used more because in Italy there were more hilly, more mountainous areas. Um, Indian forces tended to use more universal carriers than the old wheeled India carriers that they use more in the desert. Yes, they still use them. So I would still probably use that as my, as my um, armored car. Um, the Lee is not going to be used in this far back in the war. So I'd probably replace it with uh, one of the versions of a Sherman or possibly a priest. I absolutely love the priest model. And I think putting Indian troops in the back would be great. Um, they definitely have the uh, Sherman recce, sorry, not the Sherman, the Stuart reckeys, um, which is the Stuart with the turret removed. Um, I, I have the warlord model for a Stuart. I have cut a, plastic card hole to put over the join where the turret would normally go to turn it into that vehicle. I just need to add the crew and paint it now. And uh, I, I really want to put one of those on the tabletop, probably in the place of my wheeled India carrier, which I adore, but got to try something new sometimes. Uh, but 
the otherwise the list looks remarkably similar. Um, now, if by replacing the Lee with the priest, I do get additional points. I don't have the black or bombard as an option, so I would drop that as well. And with just like Pete, with the points that I'd make up, I would probably buy an additional troop squad um, because I'm not getting the one for free anymore, if that makes sense. And I do like having uh, five to six infantry squads in every army I run. So um, I'd also probably bulk out some of my squads because a couple of them would typically be in India carriers, and these guys would probably now be foot slogging. Uh, but again, it would be tooling up for a more assaulty force. I also probably need a few more Indian troops with SMGs because up until now, I've only had them on my sergeants. Um, Pete, does that sound uh, like yours? I'm always terrified of facing your Indians, Brad, and that doesn't sound any better than the last, than the last time I saw your Indian list. <laughs> But it would be a lot less. It would be it would be slower, right? It would be less mobile. It'd be fine. I think it'd make a good matchup with the Falschemjager list. That the you know both sort of reasonably heavy infantry. Um, it'd be a lot of getting into each other's faces, particularly in an objective mission. I think it would make for a fun game because you'd be really getting up close and grappling and trying to um, to kill each other. Yeah, hundred percent. And I love that they, again, we have um, bulked out uh, Canadian rules. We have Polish infantry sections. Um, look, we could go into British stuff all day, um, but they really Before, do sorry, Brad. add. Sorry, go ahead. Before we move on, I just want to say the polls. I'm, I'm really yes. liking the look of the polls. I like the, the Polish infantry with the wild geese rule. I think that seems like a good rule. I'd like to give it a try. Um, but the Polish commandos, man, they look very interesting. So many rules, I can't figure out whether they're really good or not. But man, I want to try them. Uh, well, I let's think... talk about the wild geese rule because you mentioned it. Um, the Poles called themselves wild geese because they were fighting for their homeland far from home. While taking order tests, Polish infantry sections ignore one pin. If the unit only has one pin, it still takes the test. Um that is a cool flavor to a unit. Um, I know that rule has appeared. I believe it was in the soft underbelly book with different units. But yeah, Polish infantry are cool. And having that as an option, again, in reinforced platoons as well, you can really try different things. Um, and yeah, commandos, those commandos do have a lot of rules. <laughs> Um, so many, man, I don't know whether they're good or not, but man, I want to try them <laughs> exactly right. Um, there's so many units in this book that have again, we're not covering everything, we're just covering some of our favorites, but have huge lists of um, you know, upgrades and variations that you can apply to the unit, slash national rules that you can apply or not apply, um, or sorry, special rules. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we could do an entire two hour episode on British forces, so we'll backstep quietly away from that, given that we have to keep this as a shorter version of the show. But know, folks, that if you're a British player, you have an unbelievable number of options and really effective, cool ones, too. If you are a more competitive player, there's a lot of good options in here for you. If you're a fluff history player, man, there's a lot of cool options in here for you. Um, just know this book has you covered. Uh, if you are a British player uh, and you want to play, you know, late war, this is it. Um, you are going to have some excellent stuff. And there's some really cool uh, special characters. And of course, I had to say that because the model that comes with this book is Wujik, the soldier bear. And there is rules for the corporal bear in this book, which I love. Gets a whole page to himself, page 80. Check it out. Um, Pete, I want to talk about something that I may have propagated. I know that in the past, people have sometimes said that the American list in bolt action is very good, 
but it doesn't have the most variety ever. Um, it is, it feels very vanilla. Um, don't get me wrong. I happen to think that the American list is one of the best lists in the game. But if you have wanted some wild variety in painting schemes um, outside of the Pacific, you know, you've sometimes gone to other nations. Well, that changes with this book because with this book, you get the option of adding a lot of French, free French units to American armies. So we have the option to add, um, God, there's, I mean, we, yes, there is the Canadian um, FSSF squads. You have the Nisei, you have the Buffalo Soldiers. Of course, all of those are American. Um, but to then be able to add Gooms, to add Terrilliers, to be able to add French Foreign Legion, to add Spahi units. There, I mean, there's some really interesting painting opportunities slash unit rules that you can add to an American list. Now, again, you do need to look at the fine print because with these rules, these additional free French units have the ability to use the modern communications rule and get the um, gyro stabilizer rule, but they because they're using the old Springfield rifles, they do not get fire and maneuver except on the bar upgrades. Um, so as a, as a long-term American player who has a great code American army, I'm looking at this going, Ooh, now I can add some gooms to my force. Now I can add some, uh, I'm very excited for not only the painting options, but just to really give an American force some crazy flavor that hasn't always been there in the past. Uh, are you feeling the same way, Pete? I think the free French options here are really great. Um, they, as you say, are going to certainly give your force a lot of color, literally. Um, <laughs> but uh, my the one that stood out for me is actually not the free French, but it's the US Reconnaissance Squad. Mm -hmm. um, that looks like a really great unit. Shame I don't play US kind of great unit. Um, it's uh, three men um, can have a bar, but like I was saying earlier with the spa troop, they forward deploy and there's nothing more fun than something that forward deploys and messes with your opponent's um, uh, early moves. So uh, that was the one that really jumped out at me. Yeah, 100%, right? Um <sighs> I did look at those uh, as a, someone who plays a Soviet scout army. I thought that was a really cool um, addition. Um, and I did mention the Nisei before. Um, these guys do have slightly different rules um, than they do in the free PDF in this book, I believe, because they have the most decorated outfit in this man's army. Um, whereas before they just got um, maybe tough fighter. Now they have special morale rules as well. Makes them a little bit more expensive, but makes them a, stick around a lot longer on the tabletop. Um, of course, if you like the deaths cards uh, special rule and you want to talk about the American Canadian multinational unit, the FSSF, I always say that wrong. Um, these guys were brutal uh, and you can use them. Interestingly, as an addition to the American forces, you can't use them in Canadian lists, but um, they have some interesting side weapons as far as um, the Johnson LMG, uh, but they also have the death card. So they pass an order test and um, units have to pass an order test to assault FSSF sections. Um, and they take the test as if they had an extra pin on them, even when they have no pin markers. Uh, so they have mountain rules. They have all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, as someone who has, again, uh, a Canadian or sorry, a, uh, a U.S. great coat force that this fits. I kind of feel like these guys could be fun to play. Um, they are expensive point wise, but man, they got a lot of options. 
Yeah, absolutely. It looked like a lot of fun. I, I do like to see the uh, Johnson LMG pop up. I have some on my Marines. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to see them make it to the Pacific at some point. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a great historical option. It is. Now, of course, Pete, this is a book that takes place in Italy. And if we're in Italy, we should probably mention Italian forces. Now, both of us play very different style Italian lists. Um, in this case, I'm really excited about the Allied option for Italy. Now, from memory, they may you may have been able to I think there may have been a theater selector somewhere in the past that allowed you to possibly run Allied. I could be thinking of um, Conflict 47 because I do play a lot of that. Um, and I know that I've played Allied Italians in that game. Um, which is very similar to bolt action. Uh, but with this list, you can run, it gives you Nembu or Nembo um, Italian paratroopers, which of course is exactly the ones that I want to play. So I was very excited about that. And it gives Italians, yes, you still are using the basic Italian national rules, when you are messing around with these guys. However, they do have the Forza Diamo rule, which allows you to take away D2 pins every time you pass a test, which combined with Stubborn really does offset um, some of the Italian rules um, that can sometimes not be positive. Uh, but we also have the possible possibility of upgrading some to be recon troops, uh, so there's some really cool options there that I like. Um, there is the CIL um, infantry section with, who are more likely to run away um, because they have the desertion rule. Uh, but given that I'm the paratrooper guy, I would probably just run that and not. Um, I do think it's interesting and important to mention the CAL Alpini sections to go with the Warlord new Alpini that are coming out that look really good. Um, have the mountain warrior rule. So again, they can run through difficult terrain, nine inches and get over, uh, impassable terrain again, really opens them up as an option on the tabletop. If you like a mobile army. And I think that that really does give Italian forces, particularly if you're wanting to run allied ones, um, some cool opportunities for modeling and gameplay. Um, does that line up with what you're seeing on the Axis side, Pete. Yeah, similar story on the Axis side. I've been running um, an RSI force for a very long time, um, just straight out of the Italian book. But I think that what you've got here just tweaks that a little bit and I think makes it a little bit better. Obviously, as you've already mentioned, there's the Forzo di Adamo rule, which I think helps make make the Italian units just that a little bit better and um, uh, worthwhile taking of. Long thought about doing a VET uh, parachute RSI unit, um, but I think that uh, what really attracts me in this new book is the mass naval infantry section. So um, I think particularly taking them regular with the Forzo Dianimo rule and also Panzerfaust, I think that they'd make a nice addition to um, uh, my RSI force, uh, which already has some mass painted figures, but now I can just give them um, special rules. So I will be giving them a try in the near future, I think. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Pete, as I said, we could talk about this book for days. I, again, 176 pages, 10 missions. And we were just, I mean, we've been talking almost an hour about some of our favorite options and how it affects listing for some of the armies we played. But there are, I mean, just countless options in here to go through. And again, we're, we've just skirted over the top. If this is a theater that you are at all interested in, this book has all kinds of additional things for you to play with. That really does expand and expand your options for the bolt action tabletop. Um, I'm excited that it is now out and I look forward to playing some serious games with it coming up soon, uh, both in events and in casual play. 
Pete, are you feeling the same way? Absolutely looking forward to trying out a few new lists using units from this book. Um, and before we go, I just wanted to point out one hidden gem, which I found while I was looking at the listing. So in the Panzer Corps reinforced platoon, February 1944, the Germans can take captured bars. Now that looks like a fun modeling project to me. I'm yes. going to be getting out the knife and uh, a US box and some plastic Germans very shortly. I missed that. What page is that on? 145. All right. I I will be uh, 100% getting into that because um, that is awesome. I don't know how I missed that, but just those opportunities to, you know, customize a force. And there's a lot of them in here. I mean, the Free French Forces for the Americans, um, you know, difference, you're adding all those different nationalities to British forces. Of course, here we have the modeling opportunity with the Germans. Man, oh, so much good stuff. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Need to play some games and need to do it soon. Pete, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. I know you are a man who's as passionate about his uh, mixing things up historically and uh, army-wise on the tabletop as I am. And um, just to dig through a book that gives us so many options is always a good time, especially with a fine gentleman like you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Brad. And uh, props to Rob for producing such an interesting and diverse book. And uh, uh, I think it's a great, great work. So well done, Rob. Exactly. Exactly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Um, we have had lots of people um, asking about the episode talking about this book. Well, here it is. Um, if you have other requests for the Warlord Games official podcast, please go to the Facebook page of the podcast network that this podcast appears on, which is Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you go to the Facebook page for Cast Dice and you message that page, you are guaranteed a response by me. Hi, my name is Brad. Thank you to everyone who has reached out. Um, both recently and over the years with ideas for this show. We do take them seriously. And yes, I have heard your request to talk about the new summer campaign that is about to launch. So please do uh, tune in because we will be talking about that soon. Until next time, everyone, I hope you enjoy playing Warlord Games. Good night.